Hey, uh, you got to learn that song, okay? First, you kind of know Lord Our God. You got to learn Ancient of Days. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Maybe I'm stealing my own thunder here, okay? But uh, this new fall semester, we got a new meeting location. We've got new events planned that you see on the calendar. And tonight, we're starting a new series. And we're going to the book of, anybody know? Daniel! Everybody give it up for Daniel! Let's go! And let me tell you why you need to learn Ancient of Days. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. The Ancient of Days is referring to who? God, right? This is God, and we're singing worship to Him. And, uh, and so you need to go on your little YouTube, if you can, or something else. Ask your parents how. And just learn Ancient of Days, and then we'll keep singing it, and it'll be good. And you already know, Lord, our God. And Nick is very nervous, but uh, he'll keep practicing too, and it'll be good, right? Okay. Are you excited? Okay, so this is what we do. We've, uh, if you're new with us, we play some games. We have some fun. And then we go and we study our Bibles together. Speaking of Bibles, if you don't have one, you can go run up there real quick, grab a Bible. And uh, if you don't have one at all, or Nikolai has some, uh, then you can uh, keep it forever and read as long as you read it. Okay? Uh, so we study the Bible together. This is really the most important thing that we do. Uh, and so this is the most important time and you got to focus and we're going to have a lot of fun studying Daniel. But before we get into Daniel, I think that we need to have a little bit of an introduction, right? I mean, we could just go to Daniel chapter one, verse one, and just start off right off the bat. But I think it would be better for us, since Daniel is in the Old Testament, for us to get a bigger context leading up to Daniel, meaning... Tonight, I want to study with you the entire Old Testament leading up to the book of Daniel, okay? Because we haven't been in the Old Testament for a while, right? We've been in, uh, we were in Mark in the summer. We've been through, maybe we've been through Psalms and Proverbs, but really, even those weren't narratives. We're just looking at certain verses, and, uh, and so it's helpful for us to get a picture of the entire Old Testament. Do you understand, right? The Bible is broken up into what? Two Two halves, basically. The first half is what? The Old Testament. The second half is the what? The New Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic, like some of that. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament is really what happened before Christ came. The New Testament is what happens after Jesus Christ came, and it describes that. And so we have the Old and the New Testament Today we're looking at the what? The Old Testament. Say it with me. The Old Testament. Say it with me. The Old Testament. Say it with me. The Old Testament. And I'm just going to keep bothering you tonight, okay? And I'm just going to keep making you say stuff because you got to say it audibly to learn it, to get it into your mind. And so today, what are we studying? The Old Testament. Okay. The Old Testament. And uh, this, we're going to see... What I want us to do is I want us to see a major theme in the Old Testament. I don't know if I would say that there's one overall theme. There's many huge themes. I mean, you could say kingdom is a theme. You could say redemption is a theme throughout the whole Bible. 
I want us to look at the theme in the Old Testament that is God's faithfulness. You know what being faithful is, right? You know, you got a good friend and you're, you're faithful to him, you know? You're faithful to her. You're all, you always got their back and you're never going to fail them. You're never going to desert them. You're never going to leave them. You're always going to be there for them, right? Faithfulness. And so we're going to look at God's faithfulness throughout the Old Testament. And this is how I want to go through the whole thing, okay? So we're going to look at how God was faithful throughout the entire Old Testament. And uh, we're going to do this in how many points do I have? Somebody shout it out. Six? I think I have seven. How many points do I have? Six. Okay, talk, okay? This is a new semester, new rules, new expectations, okay? Uh, we're, not, we're not staying quiet anymore, all right? All right, so we're in the book of Daniel, or we're going to be in the book of Daniel. We're studying the Old Testament, and our first point, our first kind of section, our first scene, our first chunk in the Old Testament that we're going to look at is, number one, God is faithful to redeem sinners, God is faithful to redeem sinners. And we see this in Genesis chapters 1 through 12. So go ahead. First person to read Genesis 1-1, the first word out loud right now. Go to Genesis 1-1. First person to say the first word. Oh, wait, that's too easy. First person to tell me Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, the first word. Tell me right now. Thus, okay. Now let me break this open, okay. Is it you? Is is thus right? Okay, good. Okay, what do you want? You want a sour punch? I want a sour punch. That's only for him! Ian, okay? So, now you know. Okay, the stage is set. There might be candy involved if you participate. And so this is really to get you going. I need you to have, listen up, everybody eyes on me. Your thinking cap's on, okay? I need you to get crazy Albert Einstein today, okay? Because we're going through the entire Old Testament. So you need to pay attention and think, okay? So number one, God is faithful to what? Redeem sinners. God is faithful to what? Redeem sinners. And we see this in Genesis 1 through 12. And and listen, when you're a kid or uh, when you're your age, uh, when I was a kid, I would, you know, pick on my sister and we would fight and she'd just, you know, be super annoying, right? Okay, she gets really upset that I talk about her now, uh, but it's okay, I'll keep using her. Uh, and so she'll do something terrible, right? She'll like, you know, I don't know why, uh, drop something, you know, make a mess, you know, pee on the bed or like do something weird like that, right? And she'll just sin, right? She'll do something really bad and she'll get on my nerves. And so I'll go and I'll tell my dad... And my dad will judge her, right? He'll give her punishment. She'll, you know, you're never going to pee in your bed again, right? Punishment. And because of that, I'm going to take away all your toys. So my dad judges her. And then I go and I say, ha ha, uh, you stink. And then, uh, and then eventually my sister apologizes for whatever bad thing she did. My dad eventually forgives her. And then there is some kind of uh, redemption, okay? Oh, you see where I'm going here, Alex? Okay, so we got sin. We've got judgment. And then there's some redemption, right? My sister's saved. She gets forgiven. Uh, even though she did something bad, my dad forgives her. And then after that, there's a promise, there's a promise, sin, judgment, redemption, and promise. And the promise usually with my sister came from me. 
And it was, if you ever annoy me like that again, I'm going to kill you. That's a promise. So that was my life, sin, judgment, redemption, and promise. And in this first section, we're going to see that same cycle, okay? We're going to see sin. We're going to see God's judgment. Then we're going to see God redeem. And then we're going to see God make a promise. Right, Nikolai? Is this coming back to you? Okay, sin, judgment, redemption, and promise. And we see this in three different cycles. How many different cycles? Three Three different cycles. We're going to see this with Adam. Raise your hand if you know Adam. We're going to see this with Noah. Raise your hand if you know Noah. We're going to see this with Abraham. Do you know Abraham? Okay, so the Noah cycle, the Adam cycle, the Noah cycle, the Abraham cycle. Is this fine so far? Okay, let's start with point A, the Adam cycle. What, is, what are the four things again? Somebody tell me. I'll start with S. Or not, they don't all start with S. Sin, judgment, redemption, and promise. Say it all together. Sin, judgment, redemption, and promise. And so, listen to this. In the Adam cycle, we're dealing with who? Adam. Adam and Eve. And the sin is what? What do they do to sin? Yeah, they eat the fruit, right? That they're not supposed to eat. God says, don't eat it. And what do they do? They eat it. They sin. They go against God. And what does God do as a judgment? He curses the land, right? There's the fall of man. And now all of the land is cursed. And this is why we have pain. This is why we have suffering. This is why there's evil in the world. Because of that judgment, right? And then sin, judgment. What's the next one? Redemption. Redemption. And this one's kind of interesting. Because we see in this cycle that what happens to Adam and Eve? Do they have clothes on anymore? No. No, well, they never had clothes. So they don't have clothes on, right? And so, uh, and so at first they're okay with it and they're chill, but now they're kind of ashamed and they're embarrassed, right? And so God's redemption in this cycle is God gives them animal skin covering to cover their bodies so they're not ashamed anymore. And this is actually where we see the first animal get killed. The first death ever is to give them clothes. And so there you go, redemption. Sin, judgment, redemption, and... Promise. promise. What's a promise? Anybody know? Uh, it's something. It's when you tell someone something. Yeah. Well, that's a promise. What's the promise in the Adam cycle, Weston? No. Uh, oh, good job though. I have to learn how to say good job. Okay, Maddox. No. 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 Flynn. Oh, Flynn! Flynn, what do you want? Flynn got one of those, okay? So, the promise, did you hear him? Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Do you see why you have to have your thinking caps on? This is crazy. Genesis three fifteen. it says this, and now I'm going to go. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And this is what we usually call the first gospel. The first what? The first gospel. This is really God's promise that he will send somebody, that somebody will come and he will crush the head of Satan. And that person is who? 
Jesus. This is the first promise that Jesus is going to come and defeat Satan. So in the Adam cycle, we had sin. We had judgment. We had redemption. And we had a promise. Okay, now, point B, the Noah cycle. Now we're going to go fast since you got the hang of it. The Noah cycle. The sin is all of the people become wicked, right? Everybody goes to their own way. They start, they're just filled with sin and the land is just totally corrupt and wicked. So that's a sin. What's the judgment in the Noah cycle? The flood, right? God sends a flood and he wipes everybody out. Everybody gets wiped out except, you know, one of each animal and he only preserves those on the ark, right? And that leads us to redemption, which is the ark and he preserves his people and so he saves some of some of his people and then the promise is this that god will dwell with his people and guess get this this is a fun promise what's the other promise from the from the flood from the noah cycle yeah well we don't have to worry about the flood flooding the earth anymore you just have to worry about getting burned to death and uh by the sun and the sun is did you know that the sun is growing massively more and more like each and every second and eventually, like, the sun is going to burn this earth, and the earth is going to be destroyed. Like, that's scientific. So, turn to Christ, because you, the, the earth is going to burn up, okay? We saw, the, what was point A? Adam cycle, what was point A? Adam cycle, what was point A? Adam cycle, what was point B? Noah cycle, and what's point C? Abraham cycle. So in the Abraham cycle, we see, what's the first thing? Sin. Think of surf, serpent, sin. Uh, you don't have to remember the word sin. It's just, okay, the sin in the Abrahamic cycle is the tower of what? Babel. We see this in Genesis chapter 11, and we don't have to turn there, but we see that they're trying to build a tower uh, to heaven. They're, they're going their own way. They're going against what God uh, it wants them to do. They're trying to make their own plan. So that's their sin. And their judgment is God does what? You know when you have a cake and you put what on it? Sprinkles. You, oh, uh, I guess cupcakes. You don't, Do you put that on a cake? Okay, so he, sprink, he confuses all the languages. He scatters everybody all around, making different nations, making different ethnicities. And so he confuses their language. And everybody's like, what? Right? Yeah, that was pretty good, huh? That was a real language. But you didn't understand. And that's what God did. He confused the language. That's their judgment. Their sin is they built the Tower of Babel. Their judgment is he confuses the language. And what's next? Redemption. And actually, in this cycle, redemption and promise are together. And God says that he will, this is the what cycle? Abraham cycle. God will make a nation out of Abraham. He promises Abraham, I will make a nation from your descendants. Does that make sense? He will make a nation from Abraham. And that will be his nation, his chosen nation. So that's both the redempt that's both the redemption and promise, okay? So point A, we had the Adam cycle. Point B, we had the Noah cycle. Point C, we had the Abrahamic cycle. And throughout all of this, 
we see that man continues to sin. They continue to rebel against God, to put their fists up towards God. And over and over again, we see the cycle. Sin. God judges them. God has mercy. He forgives them. He redeems them. And he makes a promise to them. And uh, this is great. And we see in this that God is faithful. He is what? Faithful to redeem lost sinners like you and me who constantly rebel, who constantly go against God, go our own way. He is patient. He is merciful. He is kind. He is good. He is faithful, right? So that's the first chunk. Hmm. Point number two, God is faithful to turn evil into good. God is faithful to turn evil into good. And now we're finishing Genesis. This is, we find this in Genesis 12 through Genesis 50. God is faithful to turn evil into good. The evil that we see is from Abraham's offspring. Abraham's offspring. So again, the people are going their own way. They are constantly sinning. They want to put their fist towards God, uh, ignore what he has commanded them to do. And they want to live for themselves. And so we're going to see evil from Abraham's offspring. And we're going to see this in three ways, okay? Three ways. First, they lost their purpose. Is that a fill in the blank for you? Good. Purpose. They lost their purpose. So Abraham's offspring, they lost their purpose. And Terrell, what is their purpose? Their purpose is to be a witness for God. They are to be a witness for God, they, they were to bless all the nations by being a witness for him. And they lost sight of that because they never built an altar to God. Okay, so they were supposed to build these altars. And this was supposed to be a witness for God. And, and they never did that. They lost sight of their purpose. They went their own way. So that's one evil point. Everybody say evil. Evil. Okay. Uh, point B, they lost their unity. They lost their unity. And so in this point, we see in Genesis 13, there's tons of strife now. Everybody's, you know, you know how you bicker with your brothers and sisters, you know, and you're just so mean all the time. That's what's happening here, okay? Tons of strife, tons of anger. The the unity is being lost, and Abraham is trying to save this unity. And we see in Genesis 13, Abraham and this guy Lot, you know, you know, you cast lots, and then there's a guy named Lot. And Abraham and Lot, and Abraham says, I want to preserve unity, okay? I want to be friends. I want to be close. I don't want us to have strife. And so he says, okay, you go ahead, pick your land. I'll pick my land. And what does Lot do? He goes and he picks the the flourishing, fluffy grass land, the good land. And Abraham goes, okay, for the sake of unity, I'll go this way and get this, the really terrible, ugly, dumb land, Okay. And so unity is being separated here, okay? They're losing, they're, they're going against each other. And so we see that loss. And everybody said evil, evil. Everybody say evil, evil, evil okay? Evil. Uh, and eventually the sons of Jacob plotted to kill Joseph, their own brother. You know, you've tried to kill your own brother before too. And that's what they're doing here. So total evil. So we see they lost their purpose. They lost their unity and they lost their, I'm going to say holiness. They lost their holiness. This was their really their uniqueness. They were really set apart in how they conducted themselves. And now they're starting to act immorally. They're starting to go their own way. In so many different ways, they sin and they're just becoming wicked. Are you seeing a theme here throughout the Old Testament? 
people are going their own ways, they're becoming wicked, they're becoming sinful, and they're rebelling against God. So that is the evil that we see from Abraham's offspring. And everybody said evil, evil. Everybody say evil, evil. Okay, and then we see the goodness from God. We saw evil from Abraham's offspring. Now we see goodness from God. Remember the point, what was point two? God is faithful to turn evil into what? Good. Good. And now we see good from God. And turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 is the first book in your Bible. And uh, it's at the very end. Genesis chapter 50. And who can tell me the first word? What? Them. I heard. Oh, wait. Is it them or Joseph? Then. It was then. It was then. Okay. Genesis chapter 50. Now look at verse 20. Genesis 50, verse 20. And everybody goes, shh. No, this is different. Shush. Okay, Genesis 50, 20 says this. As for you, you have it in your outline. As for you. Okay, go ahead. Say it along with me. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. And so we see that although man continues to go his own way, he continues to be evil and bad and uh, slithering snakes, uh, wicked, super terrible, even though they go evil, God works all things, even these evil deeds, for what? Good. God can work evil things for good because he's in total control. He's totally sovereign and he works all things for his own glory. He works all things for his own purposes. He has his plan set from, the fa- from before the foundation of the world. He has it all planned out and it will go according to plan no matter what. And there, yes, there's evil because we sinned, but this is all according to his plan. And he will work it all for good, for the good of the Christian, not for you unbelievers, you'll get evil and, and wrath, but for the Christian, he'll work it for your good and for himself, he'll work it for his own glory. Everything will eventually lead to bringing God glory. And so God is faithful to turn evil into good. Say that with me. God is faithful to turn evil into good. Okay? That was point two. Point number three. God is faithful to keep his promises. And now we just emerged out of the book of Genesis. And now we're in Exodus to Joshua. Okay? We're, we're making some progress here. Exodus to Joshua. God is faithful to keep promises. And what did God promise? What is this specifically focusing on? Remember in the... Adam's, the Abrahamic cycle, right? In the very first point. What did God promise Abraham? That he will make a nation out of him, right? And so God is going to keep his promise. God promised to make a nation out of Abraham and he will fulfill that promise. Now, over quarantine, we did a lot of crazy stuff, right? We went outside of our comfort zones. We tried new things. Maybe you made some crafts, okay? Maybe you helped your mom with breakfast uh, once in a while. Anything else fun you did? I sat on the couch. You sat on the couch, okay? Anything new that you, like, ventured to try out? 
I'm interested to see what they um, Me and my mom um, had a movie night, just me and my mom. Oh, movie night. Movie night with mom. I love that, okay? Uh, Chase. Spending time with your family, Weston? I slept in. Slept in, Jose? I got you got to try out COVID. Here's a fun fact. I never got COVID. Okay? So, so you can say that. COVID is fake, and that's on recording, and climate change is fake. Okay? So, over quarantine, over quarantine, come back to me. We try out new things, right? And I tried out making pita, you know, pita bread, you know? And we heard this, and I'm here uh, in the backyard of her parents' house, Lydia Bennon. She tries to make pita bread, but I make it way better, okay? I, I learned, I crafted my skill over quarantine, and I learned you need, you need starter, right? And that's Sammy, starter. You know about that? Uh, what's starter made out of? Flour and water. So you need some starter. You need some more flour. You need some water. You need some, you know, you, after you put it in the oven, you need some olive oil. You need some salt. You need all these ingredients, right, to make the good pita pita. And I'm going to leave some ingredients out in case Lydia tries to listen to this and tries to improve her pita. But, you know, you need all these ingredients to make pita bread, right? Or to make a cake or to make any type of recipe or food. And so I'm going to give you the three ingredients you need to make a nation. To make a nation. God has this set out for Abraham. He says you need three ingredients to make a nation. Number one, you need butter. No, okay. Number one, you need people. You need a people, right? I mean, if you want to have a nation, you got to have some people. If I wanted to have junior high ministry, I mean, I could come back here to the Ben's house, stand, on, stand up here and just start preaching. But if there's nobody out there, then, I mean, it's not really a ministry, right? Like, I need people, right? And so the first ingredient you need to make a nation is people. And so God bakes up a people. In Exodus chapter 19, he turns Jacob's family of 70. They have 70 members in their family. And he turns it into 2 million. 2 million people. That's a lot, right? Okay, so God blesses them. He makes a nation. He gives them a people from 70 measly people to 2 million people. So now they have a nation. The second ingredient you need is four score and seven years ago. What, how does the constitution start? Our father. Who I didn't know. Uh, you need a constitution. Okay. That's the Lord's prayer. You need a people. And number two, you need a constitution. Okay. You got to have some law. You got to have some rules. So Matthew's not running around, you know, kicking everything over and making a mess. And, you know, the girls aren't, you know, bickering and, and shopping excessively and all these things. Right. You got to have some rules. You got to have law. And so you need a people. You need a constitution. And in Exodus 20 and really into Leviticus, God gives his people the law at Mount Sinai. Right. And so now they have a people. They have a law and the cake is starting to form and starting to rise, and we're getting all of our ingredients together to make a nation. We got a people, we got a constitution, and the third ingredient is guess. The government. No. 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 Wrong, wrong, wrong. Okay, I, I went ahead of myself, right? I mean, when I, when I came, when I said the example of starting a ministry, I said, I'm going to come back here, I'm going to have the Bennett house, and I'm going to start preaching. 
But what if I didn't even have a place to do all of this, right? You need a land. Land. Who said it over here? Oh my goodness. Okay. And Samuel Ben is gonna pick all this up, so it's fine. Oh, go sit, go sit. See, evil, right? Evil. Don't do evil. Okay, everybody pay attention. Now, shh. First ingredient. Instead of cracking the A's, instead of spreading the butter, you got people. Second ingredient, you need a constitution. You get that at Mount Sinai. You get the law. The third ingredient is a land. And God gives them a land. In the book of Joshua, they come up with a fantastic military strategy in the book of Joshua. And their strategy is to go into this land and to divide and conquer. Divide and conquer, brilliant strategy, still used today. And so they divide and conquer, and they gain their land that they need. Bada bing, bada boom, you got spaghetti that some people make, you got pita pita, and these people, they have a nation now, okay? You need a people, a constitution, and a land. They have it all, and despite all the evil from us, from this world, from them at that time, we can know and we can trust that God is working all things according to his plan, according to his good. He's going to fulfill his purposes. It's all for his glory. It's all according to his plan. And it's all for our good, right? And we can, even when we, when we can't see what's going on, even when things aren't going our way, even when things aren't going as fast as we'd like them to, right? You know, you have, you have your own plans. And things, things aren't going the way you've planned. And it's taking long. Well, you got to wake him up right there. Okay, I'll throw candy at you, all right? Yeah, you got to pay attention. I'm calling people out too this semester, all right? So uh, even when we go our own way and, and things aren't going the way we planned, we can know that God is fulfilling his purposes, right? Everything is going according to his plan. So number one, we saw God is faithful to redeem sinners. Number two, we saw God is faithful to turn evil into good. Number three, we saw God is faithful to keep promises. Number four, we see God is faithful to judge sin. To judge sin. And I'll wait for you to write. God is faithful to judge sin. And we see this in the book of Judges leading up to our book, to our main man, Daniel. Right. So in the book of Judges to Daniel, we see God is faithful to judge sin. And I'll wait for you. And, uh, and if you're ready to, to keep running, uh, turn to Judges chapter 17. Judges chapter 17. It says in verse, I want six. Judges 17 verse six. Do you want to read it, sir? Does anybody want to read it out loud for everybody? Oh, Maddox, come on up. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, come on up. Come on. You got it on your outline? Okay, so everybody, Judges 17, verse 6. It's in your outline, actually. So I made you turn for nothing. But you should learn how to turn in your Bible. And Maddox is going to read it nice and loud. Here we go. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Good job, Maddox! Let's go! Everyone did... Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, Bryson's got your back. He reminded me about the candy. Whoa. Uh, okay, so we see in Judges 17, 6, right? 
Everybody does what's right in their what? Their own eyes. Logan's doing whatever he wants to do, right? It's whatever, whatever they want, they're doing, right? They're, they're becoming totally wicked, totally evil. Uh, if you keep getting distracted by candy, I won't pass it out anymore, okay? Okay, and, and God is going to judge this, okay? He's going to judge their wickedness. He will not allow this evil, this corruption to happen. And so he's going to judge them in these ways, all right? Are you ready? Point A, the nation decays. The nation decays. You weren't expecting that. Nation decays. Uh, and we see this in seven cycles of sin, slavery, supplication, salvation, and silence. And let me just explain this to you, okay? The nation decays. They're going their own way. And we see this constant cycle over and over again, seven times, they're going to sin. They're going to go their own way. They're going to go against God. And then God is going to what? Again, judge them. He's going to put them into slavery. So they sin. God judges them. He puts them into slavery. And then we see uh, supplication. Then they're going to go, okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please, God, please take us out of this slavery. Please help us. And so God is going to have forgiveness. He's going to show them mercy and he's going to give them a judge that's going to save them. And that's going to bring them out of slavery. Okay. Now they're saved. They're salvation. And now guess what they do? They go back to their sin. Even though God saves them, he brings them out. He goes, they go back to their sin and they do this over and over. And, when, and we, after that, we see a time of silence. And then we see this over and over again. Seven times. Sin. Slavery. Supplication. Salvation. Silence. Sin. Going against God. Slavery. Judgment. Supplication. Please, God, I'm sorry. Get us out of here. Salvation. Okay, you're free. Here's a judge. Silence. We're going to go back to our own ways, to our sin. All right? Over and over again. Sin. Supplication. Slavery. Sin, slavery, supplication, salvation, silence. Okay, do you get it? They're evil. They, keep, they can't get out of their sinful cycles. And the result of this is God takes away their king. There's no king. The ark is captured. There's no capital. Their capital is burned to the ground. There's no priest. Eli's and his sons, do you know them? Eli, you remember when we studied Samuel? Yeah, they die, okay? Killed. Uh, Eli's sons are killed at battle. They have no priests. They have no land. The Philistines control all the trade routes, so they have no more land. They have no theocracy because people rejected God as their king, right? And so they're in a bad situation. The nation is decaying. It's decaying. It's crumbling. It's being destroyed. Point B, the kings die. Point B, the kings die. 1 Samuel through 1 Kings shows us this. The kings die. First, we're going to see three kings here, okay? Three kings that you need to know. First one, who comes first in chronological order? Saul, Saul right? Oh, I gave it to you in your outline. I thought you were just smart. Okay, so Saul. Saul, we have first Saul. And does Saul have a heart for God? No. no. Saul does not have a heart for God. He goes his own way. He does whatever he wants. He doesn't uh, even focus on bringing an ark into the land how he was supposed to. He doesn't pay attention to that at all. He has no concern for God. And so Saul is a bad king. Everybody say Saul is a bad king. Saul is a bad king. 
And the next king we see is David. And is David good or bad? Good. David's pretty good. Okay, everybody say David's pretty good. Okay, David's pretty good. He has a whole heart for God. He actually does, he actually desires to follow God. And he actually obeys him. And he brings back the ark into the land. And he does what God tells him to do. And so David has a real heart for God. We see at the end that David messes up with Bathsheba. And, and he falls. And eventually all these kings will fall. Uh, and so even David falls. But for the most part, we see that David has a good whole heart for God. So you can even annotate in your notes. Saul had a no heart. And so I put like an empty heart. And then David has a full heart. And so I put a heart and I fill it in because it's full. And then lastly, third king, we see who? Solomon. What's his name? Solomon. Come again. Solomon. Solomon has a what? Half heart. Half heart for God. And so I put half filled and half empty. Solomon starts really good. Okay. So he's looking very promising, you know. If Critter were to become king, I think he'd start off really good. I don't want to compare you to Solomon. I think you're David. Okay? That's genuine. In the heart. Give it up for Critter. Uh, if Alex were to be king, he'd probably start off really good, right? And uh, he'd probably do what, what he's told, what God tells him to do. But then eventually Solomon goes his own way. And he falls off and he, he disobeys God and he starts to uh, just do things he's not supposed to. And actually, in Deuteronomy 17, we see he, does, he breaks all of these things that, that God tells him to do. First, God says, don't multiply your, what do you think it's going to be? Uh, cupcakes? Don't multiply your wives. Wait, who's saying wives? Yes. Is this in the notes? No. I think I have candy. Okay. Yeah, that is candy. No, oh, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so God says, don't multiply your wives. And what does Solomon do? He multiplies his wives. He has tons of wives. How many wives does he have, Dick? He has so many wives, right? So he does that. Strike one. He multiplies his wives. The other thing it says is, do not multiply. Oh, I, I flipped it. But he says, do not multiply your Money. horses. Oh, did you say that? I said that. I said that. Okay, I don't know what class you're in, but you're doing a good job. Uh, don't multiply your horses. So basically, just have one horse. I don't know what, what this really means. I, I don't know how many horses you're supposed to have, but don't multiply them. Basically, don't build uh, your, your, basically their armor. Armor is not a good word. Their strength, their, arm, their power. Don't multiply your horses, okay? Trust me. Trust me. I'm God. And depend on me. Don't multiply your horses. Solomon goes, can I just have a couple more? You know, a few more horses, a few more wives. And so strike two, he breaks another commandment from God in Deuteronomy 17. And you know the old saying, you know, three strikes, you're out. I don't know if it's an old thing, but three strikes, you're out, right? And so Solomon is going to break. He's going to strike out. Third strike is don't increase Oh, yeah, money. Your gold yeah, and your silver. Chill. Chill. Okay? Now your, your rewards are taken away. Okay? You get no candy. You get no rewards in heaven. Nothing. Okay? Earthly or heavenly. Okay? So he multiplies his wives. He multiplies his horses. 
He multiplies his money. Three strikes, you're out. Solomon starts off really good, good Solomon, and then boom, he fails, and he has no heart for God. And so the kings die. That was just point B. Point C, the nation divides. The nation divides. And I'll just read what's in your outline. There's 10 tribes now. Israel is all together, and also the nation divides. And this is in 2 Kings to Daniel. The, the nation divides. 10 tribes go to the north, and they're called? Israel. Israel. Ten tribes go to the north, and they're called? Israel. Israel. And two tribes go to the south, and they're called? Judah. Judah. Who's in the north? Israel. Who's in the north? Israel. Who's in the south? Israel. Who has two tribes? Judah. Who has two tribes? Judah. Who has ten tribes? Israel. Who's in the south? Judah. Okay. So there's Israel and Judah now. Ten tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. The nation divides. And again, let's remember the main point. God is judging them for their sin. God is judging them for their sin. And so he, he, uh, the nation decays, the kings die, the nation divides. And now the prophets are denied. The prophets are denied. God, again, each time people sin, they go their own way. God has mercy. He wants to give them uh, grace. He wants to give, forgive them. He wants to give them another chance. And in this way, God gives them prophets, prophets that speak the word of God, who speak God's message. And you know what they do to all the prophets? They, it's in your outline, they deny him. They deny them. They don't listen to the prophets. And so they deny the prophets. They go their own way. And so these people are evil. These people are what? Evil. evil. And God is faithful to judge all of this sin from the sinful people. And what I want you to get out of this is this. Oh, yeah, I'm going, I'm going fast. Okay. Uh, your sin will not go unpunished, okay? God will judge and he will punish your sin. Listen. Everybody eyes up. Okay. And all of your sin will be punished. If you're a believer... Believer, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you follow God, then God has forgiven your sins. But there will still be consequences for your sins. Just like your parents discipline you, right? They give you the old whacker, right? They want to correct you. They want to set you on the right path. They're not going to let you keep disobeying them. So God is going to do the same thing. There's consequences for your sin. Though your sins are forgiven, though you won't have to go to hell anymore if you're a Christian, but your, your sins are still going to be uh, punished. There's still consequences, right? For the unbeliever, the last thing you should worry about is the consequences here on this earth. Because if you're an unbeliever, if you do not know God, then your sin will be punished, and it will be punished to the fullest extent in hell with the wrath of God being poured out on you. Hell is a real place where there is pain, only pain, only suffering, only torment, and that is where you will go if you do not put your faith and trust in God. Do you understand? Your sin will be punished. And so God is faithful to judge sin. And so let's get to our man, Daniel. The nation refuses to listen to God's men and God's word. And so God sends them into captivity. He sends them into exile. And we get to point number five, Daniel is faithful to God. Daniel is faithful to God. 
the Assyrians, there's these people called the Assyrians. They conquered Israel uh, and they tried to conquer Judah too, but they, they, uh, they couldn't do it, but God preserved them. The Assyrians were defeated by the Babylonian Empire under King who? Nebuchadnezzar. So the Assyrians are defeated by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar conquered Judah and Babylon. Wait. Nebuchadnezzar conquered Judah. Nebuchadnezzar is with Babylon. Judah resists Babylon. They don't want to be conquered by Babylon. They don't want to be conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so they try to team up with their friends Egypt, right? Okay, so are you following along? Okay, so Judah is teaming up with Egypt. They're trying to break free from the slavery, from the conquering of Babylon. They're trying to resist it. And because of their resistance, because they're going against King Nebuchadnezzar, because these people are going against the Babylonian Empire, there is going to be punishment. Nebuchadnezzar is going to find out about this resistance, and he's going to punish them by sending them into three different exiles. Three different exiles. There's going to be slavery. He's going to kill a lot of people. Three different exiles. And in the first exile, we see Daniel is captured. Daniel is taken. Because what King Nebuchadnezzar does is he doesn't want to kill these people yet. He doesn't kill anybody. Instead, he takes their best and their brightest youth, just like you. I mean, all of you who get straight A's, who are maybe a little bit athletic, you know, the best of the best. He takes the best of the land's youth. He gathers them all together, and he wants to train them to be part of the Babylonian Empire and to be part of his people so that they can go back to Judah and, and basically convert everybody to believe what they believe. You get it? King Nebuchadnezzar steals the best and brightest youth. And part of this group of youth who are smart, who are the best of the best, is Daniel. Daniel is taken into slavery. Just think about how young you are. Daniel is young too. Ripped away from his family. Taken into slavery against his will. And now he's part of the first exile. And what we see in the book of Daniel as we continue to study is Daniel in this slavery, in this exile. And we're going to see this, this thing lasts 70 years we're going to see even through this that, that he remains faithful to God and he trusts in him. He depends on him. And so I want you to see in the book of Daniel how you as a young person can be faithful to God too. Okay? The last point is God is faithful to save. God is faithful to save. And I put this as the Bible. Okay? This is throughout the whole Bible. God is faithful to save. Despite us rebelling going our own way, turning to our sin over and over again. All throughout the whole Old Testament, you see, people just consistently go back to their sin. And that's what we do too. But God is faithful to save. He's faithful to give us forgiveness and mercy and grace. And the way that he does this is all what the Bible points to. It's through Jesus Christ who came. Listen, look up. Yeah, look up. He came, Jesus came. He lived the perfect life that you and I could never, ever live. And even though he was perfect, he was beaten, mocked, unjustly accused and, and tried. And he ultimately hung on the cross and paid for the penalty of our sins. You deserve hell, you deserve wrath, 
But God gives you an opportunity to escape that and to instead have a relationship with him. By dying on the cross, he rose from the dead, defeating death, crushing the serpent's head, and, and giving us new life. And God is faithful to save. And all you must do is put your faith in him, follow him for the rest of your days, give up your sin. Don't be like these people, ultimate cycles of sin. Give up your sin, turn away from it, and turn towards God. Put your faith in him, and he will save you, and you will be his, and you will receive the ultimate goodness and blessing that you could ever experience, a relationship with Jesus Christ in heaven. Is that good news? God is faithful throughout the entire Old Testament. We see God's faithfulness. And in the book of Daniel, we're going to see that Daniel is faithful to God. And I want you to be faithful too, okay? So let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for preserving us uh, this night as we walk through a ton. And I just pray that you would help us now to focus our hearts back on you. Um, And uh, we just love you. And thank you. We want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.